Here we are again for the 7th of April in 2016. It's Europe calling with Vince Tracy and Neil Colborne. What's happening in Europe with the accent on Spain and the UK? Showtime. Right, I think we're ready to go. So welcome again. And a very warm welcome to Neil on this rather pleasant day, but it's, I mean, it's not absolutely cracking the flags, but it's okay today. It was cloudy this morning, a bit chilly, then the sun come out. Lovely and warm, and then that fluffy cloud come over, didn't it? Mm. And sent it down again. But yeah, lovely night. It was isn't it? clear as a bell tonight. It's a lot better, that's for sure. Okay, let's go across then, and uh, we'll look very, very quickly at our people that obviously we broadcast to. So let's say a very, very good welcome to uh, those listening on my website, www.vincetracy.com and Vince Tracy at uh, iPage. And then we'll go to um, California first. And we're going to Podomatic, Spreaker, Gigadial and Stitcher Radio. OK, and we go straight to Detroit. Which is WROM and that's Tom and the Gang and the WROM stands for... The World Realms of Music. We'll go to Florida next. That's Erica and her lovely gang at Aircheck. Uh, we'll go to Mersey Radio. That's Matty Arons, that's in Liverpool and that's in the UK. And Family Radio 1. That's Mike and he's in the UK. And last but not least, we're... Are we big? Oh, we're big in Bangladesh. Beats FM, Naz and the gang. Okay, it's um, a bit of everything tonight. So we'll go first to uh, the Spanish news. And uh, let's see, we'll, we'll go to Spain and see what's been happening here in Spain. So, picking up on uh, what's happening in the UK, it's also migrated across to Spain as the the Panama Papers, or whatever you want to call them, um, they have uh, links to unprecedented uh, amounts of people, including David Cameron's father, Lionel Messi, the most expensive footballer in the world, and the former Spanish king's sisters. Um, are, these are some of the names in this leak of the rich and powerful and how they hide their wealth. An unknown source leaked 11.5 million documents yesterday from the Panama-based law firm Mossack Fonseca, which for a yearly fee helps clients incorporate their wealth into offshore accounts. Now, remembering that this at the moment is all alleged and according to etc., uh, the Panama Papers, apparently the former Spanish king's sister, Pilar de Bourbon, became president of a Panama-registered company, Delantera Financiera S.A., in 1974. Um, the websites, of course, this one is the Olive Press here in Spain, telling us uh, on the same uh, date that um, she became 
president. Um, her husband took on the role of the company's secretary, treasurer and director. But the company was only dissolved in June 2014, the same month that King Juan Carlos abdicated from the throne. No. People hiding the wealth? Give over. What, for not so they don't have to pay tax? Do me a favour. I can't believe that. You couldn't that. believe that, could no. you? Uh, let's see what else we've got from Spain in this. Others named, including uh, footballer Lionel Messi, who's already facing tax evasion charges in Spain. I mean, if, if we're not talking about a, an odd bob or two here. We're talking about <laughs> lots and lots of it's, money. It works out at billions. Um, no, I hide my money, you know. Yeah, in my <laughs> sock. It That's was, it. I've got about 14 euro. Put it in my sock every night. Well, it was revealed he owns a shell company with his father, Megastar Enterprises, which was previously unknown to the Spanish investigators. Spanish filmmaker Pedro Almodovar is reported to have opened a business with his brother called the Glen Valley Corporation in the British Virgin Islands in 1991, coinciding with the box office success of his early years as a director. It just goes on and on, doesn't Beggar's it? Beggar's belief. Beggar's belief. Uh, well, what are they going to do with it all? You know, if, if you're hiding it away, it's because you don't want to spend it for some reason. But let me tell you, I don't care how wealthy or anything or how rich they are and how, you know, how many houses they've got and flash cars they've got and this and that. Let me tell you, that coffin will be the same size as mine. Well, exactly. Uh, there's another one here, Michaela Solis Beaumont. Not a name I've heard before, but uh, she's the wife of Spain's European Commission's Climate Action and Energy Commission uh, Commissioner Miguel Arias Cañete. Anyway, somebody that's obviously got great contacts, revealed to have been empowered to approve sanctions of Rin Canada Investments Group SA, which was a Panama company registered in 2005. Uh, while 14% of documents implicate Spaniards, more than half of the companies registered with the Panama law firm are in British-administered tax havens as well in the UK itself. The 2.6 terabytes of documents, this is a lot of, of information, uh, revealed that the British Prime Minister's late father, Ian Cameron, used the firm's services to shield his investment fund, Blair Moore Holdings. Isn't it weird that he's yeah, called, called Blair, Blair. Moore? Oh, and, and Moore, Blair yeah, and Moore. Yeah, Blair and Moore yeah. money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's um, a 2006 prospectus for Mr Cameron's company said of the fund, it should be managed and conducted so it, that it does not become resident in the United Kingdom for UK taxation purposes. I wonder why. While the service provided being technically legal, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists said being named in the leak does not suggest illegal activity. Um, well, we're not saying it's illegal, but they put it there for a, a reason. If not, they'd put it in Barclays or TSB or somewhere else, wouldn't they? You know what I mean? Do us a favour. Why, why are they hiding it? Well, set that against another uh, Spanish story that's broken this week. And it's a group of British holiday home homeowners uh, have been refunded. Oh, I read this, I. Well, of course, this really, it's I mean... It's been it, going on for years, hasn't it? It does make you wonder, uh, really, exactly who does what and why, because it seems a little bit sort of... Uh, unfair that the Spanish Hacienda, that's our tax authority, um, is being, uh, well, it, it, it's now being, it's not not unfair now because it's being forced to hand back um, millions of euros worth of punitive taxes to Brits who were overcharged on inheritance tax. Exactly. So, I mean, if you've been overtaxed, then obviously... Uh, I mean, at one time here, if, if there was just you two living here, like there's you and Anne and me and Ailey, 
if one of us died, they wanted 80%. I know, it was ridiculous. Of, of whatever everything was worth. So what's the... But so you've got to, you've not got that money. Obviously, you've not got it. Well, unless you've got it in one of them offshore accounts, you've not got that money to pay that. So you have to give them your house, well, and you have to move out, and then you're homeless again. The Spanish authorities raised the tax charge when a foreign owner of a home died and passed it on to their family and friends, which of course is what you just identified. Um, the inheritance tax levied on non-resident homeowners usually amounted to a third of the property's value and had to be paid within six months of inheriting, which was ridiculous, really, because, you know, you just couldn't do it, could you? Yeah, but then you've got the other one, um, not capital gains. That, that other, there's another tax as well that they, they, they charge you on for that, and it works out at a fortune at end it. Well, 99% of the tax did not apply to the Spanish homeowners and therefore they paid almost nothing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so um, the repayment, says Barcelona-based lawyer uh, Luis Cuervo, he says the repayment is not automatic. You have to come forward and file a claim, he explained. Anybody who paid the inheritance tax during the past five years can claim back all the tax that they paid, but doing so is a complex and daunting task only for specialised lawyers, experts in EU tax tax claims as there is no single form to fill in. In well, other words, it's going to be very difficult for anybody to get the money back, isn't it? Well, one of our friends, remember Alan? Yes. Uh, Ken and Alan, that had the bar. Yeah. And then Ken just didn't turn up one day and he found him dead in his house. He, he just dropped dead on his way out. He had to then give up the house and the bar that they bought, you know, and the house that they bought yeah. because of this tax that they were, they were filing on him. So Alan couldn't live there anymore, and so he had to go back to England, live with his sister. He's actually come back now, uh, living with a friend, and he's got another job now as a barman. But that, yeah, how the hell does that work? Uh, you're paying your taxes while you're here. Just, just go over what you were saying there, because it sounded like you were talking about somebody dropping dead. Yeah. Um, and then right. he needed Ken to take Alan, a job. Ken and Alan. Oh, the two guys. The two guys who had the bar. Yes. Bought a house. Yes. Then they bought a bar. Yeah, I Which remember. Was, uh, it was BB's. on, on, on Ponienti, wasn't it? No, on uh, uh, next to oh, where I go and meet Simo. There's cheap and cheerful. There's uh, yeah. BB's. Be, before that, they were on Ponienti. Yes, they, they had a bar over Th there. This is this is one of our beaches here, by the yeah. way, in Benidorm. Yeah. Well, then when they bought BB's, everything were going well. They turned the bar around because it were doing nothing. Now it's doing well and all that. I went in because I knew him from Salford. And uh, I sat there waiting one day for, for Ken to come and have a natter. He never turned up. Couldn't get an answer on his mobile or the house phone. He drove up on his bike, and there were Ken behind the front door. He dropped dead. Yeah. But they'd, they'd got the house. They'd got the bar. They paid all the taxes. They, you know, everything were above board. And then all of a sudden, they come with this bill to Alan. And it were like, whoa, hang on a minute. And anyway, he just, had to, he just had to drop the keys through the door on the bar and on the house and go back to England. Ridiculous. Yeah, that really is very, very mean, isn't it? You know, yeah. when that happens. It's, it's a nonsense. Yeah. Um, right, now, um, the breaking news, which is very sad, is about a four-year-old British oh, boy yeah. who has drowned in a pool in Torrevieca. It's now, about, an hour and, about an hour and a quarter, an hour and a half down from us. Uh, this particular town, by the way, is the fastest-growing conurbation in the whole of Spain, apparently. And, um, you know, it's a very... It's a bit like uh, Birmingham with quite nice houses in it. I mean, there's absolutely chimney pots everywhere, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah. 
And it's believed that the boy and his parents had only just started the holiday, and uh, this is must be awful for them, and, and yeah. no, nobody would want anything like that. Yeah, um, it, it, it died on it, Wednesday, I think it was, wasn't it? I think it was Wednesday. Yeah. It flashed up on some news, uh, uh, on, on the English news. It must have got there straight away, because I was watching it, and I thought, hey? Well, it didn't actually say Torrevieca till today. Yeah. It just said um, Soto Valacanti. That's yeah. what it said. Well, but because basically, I suppose, really, you know, people just hear yeah. uh, on the news wires and then they've got to look for the, the, correct, the correct information before, yeah, before yeah. they can share it. Yeah. Um, we had a Lynx Cat program, which has been very successful here in Spain. I don't know if you've followed this. Um, certainly at our local um, um, park for animals, the, the nature park. Nature park. Oh, uh, na- I find myself using... Yeah, Terra Natura. Yeah, natura, of course. Yeah. Um, but they have got lynx cats there. Yeah, and, I've seen them, yeah, with little pointed ears and all that's that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. they were introduced um, to the UK. Uh, sorry, they were introduced to Spain. Uh, and they've successfully been breeding, which, of course, is great news for people that obviously mm. follow these sorts of things. Yeah. It was a 15-year project which saw the Iberian lynx, um, which con- was confined to less than 100 in the Andalusia region, increase in population size despite having only 25 breeding females. Oh, good. So I suppose, really, if you look at it, you see feral cats. They, they breed, Ooh, breed like crazies, don't Not they? Not so bad. Like rabbits. They're saying that, uh, well, well, you mentioned rabbits, a decline in habitat space and rabbit population, the wildcat's main food source, led the Spanish Environment Ministry and the Andalusian government uh, to agree on a breeding programme where cats were born in captivity and gradually released. And by 2015, they'd got as uh, many as 400, which, of course... So um, now we need a breeding programme for rabbits, <laughs> don't we? So yeah. we can just let them all out and, and let everybody go hunting and all that, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Um, the, I meant they, the links go wanting, obviously, not people with guns. <laughs> They're talking about the Lynx UK Trust, uh, which has been established to reintroduce the medium-sized cats to the British Isles. Apparently, they're not roamed there for 1,000 years. So the species would be the Eurasian lynx as opposed to the Iberian, which are larger with small tufts of black hair on each ear. That's right, yeah. Um, the UK government is set to discuss the issue later, but farmers have voiced opposition over fears for their animals' safety. See, that's... it's. Nature against you know man and into you know what I mean. It's it's all that because I'm I'm in Scotland and a, and a special place in Scotland uh, been releasing wolves. You know the old wolf back up there. You know to well I suppose that the 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 cats and the wolves yeah. would they would they eat each other? But they would. Well, they, they, but the wolves they, would have they, anything, they, they, really. they'd eat out, wouldn't they? Yeah. If you're hungry, you'll eat out. As my mum said. Yeah. <laughs> the um, cruise liner stops in Gibraltar are up 11% this year. And from where we live, you can actually see people, um, y- you know, if you've got your b- binocs on, you can look right out to see and you see them going by. Yeah, he's got a great big telescope now. It goes for <laughs> miles, man. Hey, uh, our first, what's the name's coming to Alicante of the season, hasn't it? Uh, a thousand people on it. Bolt, you know, one of them. A- amazing. Cruises, yeah. 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 Um, the UK Foreign and Commonwealth Office has released a list of this year's top ten bizarre requests. Oh, I saw this. Um, My pizza's not right or something. One concerned citizen planning a move to Spain rang the consular over fears he would encounter nudists walking the street. Walking streets. the street, I know, yeah. I don't believe that, you know. No. As I mean, a homesick expat asked where he could buy English bacon. Yeah. 
and the lady in Lebanon rang to recruit an English butler. Well, I mean, oh, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half a million calls were made to the uh, consular service last year, which provides emergency help to Britons in troubled uh, overseas. Yeah, if you lose your passport or you do something wrong and you get locked up, they want everybody to bail them out, don't they? Now, I think this will probably just be a general figure because it certainly won't just be Spain, I don't think. Um, 3,250 British uh, were hospitalised, 4,770 arrested, and the families of 3,670 who died overseas. Well, we have, uh, in Benidorm, it's an older population, isn't it, a lot of it. Yeah. You know, the expats have normally come over 55-plus, don't they? Yeah. I, can, I get with the arrests and all that, because sometimes it does kick off. You don't see it a lot, but I can imagine for the whole of Spain, that's quite, that's quite small. Well, it, it's you know, for all, all of the resorts yeah. that there is right down from, you know, right near Gibraltar going right up to uh, Costa Brava. And if you go really to the north, I mean, you don't see many British people, although they are obviously living around. But yeah. uh, if, for example, when we go up to um, the Basque Country, you don't really see uh, a huge amount of people um, who obviously are in communities like you do down here in the yeah. south. Yeah. OK, now I think that's just about all the news that we've got Um from the, the Spanish angle. So I think we'll move on and uh, give you a quick check as to who you're listening who to once we? again. So here we go. Uh, just as my computer asked me if I want to, <laughs> to um, update <coughs> and restart now. No, I don't. This is Europe Calling. All the news from Europe discussed with Neil Colborne and Vince Tracy. Europe calling from Spain and the UK. Okay, so let's move on. Where am I? I think what we do first, I'll have a little look at uh, all the different headlines that um, I've spotted and then we'll go to the, the specifics um, after we've been up and down a few headlines. Starting with Arabic overtaking Finnish as the second language of Sweden. Now, I don't know if you've been spotting this, but I mean, we're talking about a long way north of mm. the Arabic um, countries. Uh, for me, I think it's absolutely weird that uh, so many Arabs would want to go to live in ostensibly a colder place. Exactly, Sweden, Switzerland, yeah. all that area. It's, it's a bit nippy up there, isn't but it? But maybe, you know, maybe it's because or of that. are you coming in the back door? Are you coming up well, from there and come down, you that see, is, eventually? That is more to the point for me. There you go. Um, there's a taxi driver who admits killing a fellow Muslim. This has all happened in uh, Glasgow. And we'll have a look at that story a little bit more in detail. Um, GP surgeries, I'm just reading the headlines. GP surgeries at breaking point and migration is fueling the crisis. That's, that's been going on for the last 10 years. Well, we'll look at all that in a minute. And, of course, it sets against the fact that the junior doctors are on strike, on strike mm. um, which is a bit sort of, it's a bit obvious that, you know, the numbers can't, you can't just ask people to keep working until they drop. These junior doctors, they do do an awful lot of they hours. Do 14 hours. And then they're saying, no, we want the NHS to be seven-day 
you know, seven day working like, like you would in a factory. So what do you do? You alter the shifts. Well, you, you can't... And employ a few more. And, and, I mean, really, when you when you think of where we started with the rich and the famous hiding the money, it's all very well doing <laughs> yeah. that, but they're doing it at the, the expense of, of things that are necessary. Exactly. And who are they to tell us? It's our NHS. It's our money that goes in. I know they keep saying, well, you voted for us. No, we didn't vote for you to change the junior doctor's thing. That's what gets me. This... They put up all this, you know, we're going to do this, that and the other. They hardly do any of it. But all the other parts that they never mention just keep slotting in and they're saying, well, you voted us in. Well, no, we didn't vote you in for that. Well, this is the big thing that I went against, really, or I didn't like the British system, which was, of course, yeah. the fact that always, if you add together all the people that didn't vote for the government, yeah. they're a minority. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, whereas here in Spain, we're still struggling to find a, a government. Oh, there were, a, there were a bit of a snippet that I saw that uh, they think the PP uh, might have somebody who's going to jump on board with them, I think. I, I, I read a snippet about it. Well, it looks like there'll be another election, and uh, it's not a good thing, really. But what's really got me furious is today's news, or last night's news. What Cameron's doing? He's going to send us all a letter. Oh, ridiculous. How does that work? Yeah. Who's well, millions. It's not his money, 9.3 million. It's not his money. It makes me wonder about the motives. I know it'll Obviously, cost the taxpayers more, but if everybody just put on it, return to sender, they have to pay two quid. It's a, it's a pity I can't find this quickly, but I was looking and listening to a guy talking on, I think he was on YouTube, and he was telling us about the way that, unfortunately, you know, uh, the, the Russian state took over and became federal, uh, like Europe is doing the same, yeah, you know, and yeah. basically it is a takeover of, of all our countries. And uh, you, what's behind it? I'm looking at more headlines here. EU border agency, mass migration allowing terrorists to pour into the EU. Well, well we does the paper that. does the paper need to tell us that? Because we've been telling the papers. Exactly. We've been telling them for months and months and months. It's the wooden arse of Troy, you fools. Exactly. Um, there's a student, lovely looking uh, black girl, and uh, she's found the words monkey and uh, the N word scrawled on her bananas. I mean, this is in a college, a first year biomedical science student at the University of Warwick. I mean, when all said and done, I thought we'd left stuff like that Well, behind. I did. I thought I'd gone behind us. And especially in a university, you know. Yeah. Um, there's a story which I find absolutely astonishing, and it's the tremolos. Um, oh, yeah, oh, my mate, my coming on music, his dad. Chip Hawks. Chip Hawks, yeah. And Richard Westwood. Now, they're both in the 70s. 70s. Here we go back. It's something like 50, 60 years or something. And they are denying sexually abusing a girl of 15 47 years ago. Well, look, if they did do something 47 years ago, um, we're talking about very different times. We'd like to know why the girl of 15 has taken 47 years, years before... To, to report it. Which just so happens to coincide possibly with maybe a few shillings being in the pot. Exactly, But all the others. on the other side, if they have been naughty, then obviously, you know... Yeah, but, but I mean... But don't forget... 15 and 16, I, I do wonder sometimes when I've seen some of the girls that, you know, uh, we'll see out and you think, well, you wouldn't know for a minute exactly. that they were only 15. Exactly, but I mean, you're talking massive group 
millions of groupies, all wanting a bit of a bit of action with the with the groups and this, that and the other. And then it takes a forty seven year and then she'll be saying, It's ruined my life. It's ruined the forty seven year I've had and all what a load of nonsense. Well, I also found it found it rather strange to hear the politicians saying um, we have to judge, this is to do with economic measures, they have to judge what was going on all these years ago. Exactly. Um, it's all right when they, when they were all hands in pot years ago and nobody exactly. could get older the news about it. But they don't apply the same circumstances to these guys who, you know, uh, I, I, as I say, I don't know, everything's alleged at the moment. Yeah. Going to go through the, the courts. Pedophile ring. Yeah. Well, it's that far back now, we, you know, we, we can't. I think the paedophile rings should... I mean, if it's definitely a paedophile ring and, you know, even if it goes back a long way... Well, they just sweep it under carpet as usual. But they have this inquiry for two years. He's on something like two grand an hour and he's there for two years and comes up with, well, it was that far back, we can't be bothered sort of thing. There's uh, another story which I just uh, really find astonishing. So I think we will look at this one now in some detail. And this is a story about the parents of a four-week-old baby boy who died wedged between a bed and a wall after they went on a 24-hour Christmas drinking binge and forgot where they left him. And apparently, he was found lying on the boxing uh, on the floor, Boxing Day 2014. Now, this obviously has taken a, a long while to go through the courts. The father said he put the child in a basket and couldn't explain his position. Both parents had been drinking heavily before death um that the review has revealed and they won't be prosecuted because the crown prosecution service says there's not enough evidence well, well then this should be done for child neglect well that's the very minimum isn't it exactly um the coroner alan wilson recorded an open verdict heard that uh, the little lad freddie had bronchitis and it was impossible to say what exactly caused his death a pathologist uh, said she believed his death was caused largely by unsafe sleeping arrangements. Exactly. Well, now then, you know, if people have children... And uh, they want to go on 24-hour binges, then either get somebody to mind the child or don't have the child. Do you know what I mean? Or don't go out, one of you. Um, there is another angle which I think, you know, I would keep at the back of my mind, which is basically I do know that maybe around Christmas, responsible people, nice people, good people, can get a bit drunk and basically, you, you know, um, it does happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, so l- let's keep that in the back of our minds, as, as we're saying, um, that Mr Neil denied being drunk and said he remembered putting Freddie to bed in his Moses basket. Um but it was Christmas, I'm reading from what he was alleged to say, and we both had more than we should have, but neither of us were inebriated. Well, well um, then you should have checked on your child, and obviously you haven't checked on your child because he's on the floor somewhere. I mean, I find it absolutely astonishing. I mean, looking at the pictures that this fella's... Uh, well, there are pictures of this fella, which is shows me... Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Well, all this selfies business does yeah. make you, you know... Exactly. And if you go into the toilet... I mean, we've had parties at our house, you know, when when uh, when my two were, were small, yeah. Or they went to the nanas because yeah. the nanas weren't going out. Or one nana would go out Christmas Eve, the other nana would go out uh, New Year's Eve, and they'd have the kids. But if they didn't, say we had a Boxing Day one, but every time anybody went upstairs, they just opened the bedroom and have a look in. 
It takes a second. Bottom of the uh, web page again, and uh, this is a comment coming from Belfast. What do you think of this? Not enough evidence is a dead baby. Not enough evidence. The CPS, the Crown Prosecution, uh, Prosecution Service, is clearly made up of liberals and left-wingers who wouldn't know the meaning of common sense if their lives depended. Utter idiots. The decision is a disgrace and an outrage against justice. Correct. Um, I, I have to say I do agree with that person exactly. saying that. It doesn't that. take a second to look in on a child. Uh, but if he went on a 24-hour binge, anything he could have woke up and, and tried to sit up, roll up, whatever. You go and check on him. Um, this is a manic mummy in London. When you've children... You can still have a life and have a drink, but you have to be sensible about it. These sort of stories are the reason either my partner or I will have a drink, literally a couple of beers or a couple of glasses of wine, and the other will refrain because, God forbid, something happens to our son and we need to get him to hospital. One of us needs to know what's happening. Exactly, but it, it's, it's not a case of just having a couple of drinks, is it? You know, they've gone on a 24-hour binge. Um, Jean in Stoke-on-Trent, absolutely heartbreaking. What a joke the UK justice, justice system it is. is. Sam uh, Dupree's in uh, Coventry says, I agree, as far as I'm concerned, they are both responsible for the baby's care and clearly its welfare was at risk. So under Section 1 of the Children's Act, they should be prosecuted. I cannot see how his death under their care is insufficient evidence. Exactly. And, and at, the, at the least, it should be child neglect. You know, it's, it's a nonsense. What worries me, really, is that, you know, I mean, obviously we're just commenting on this, but, you know, um, I do find it very, very strange that you've got these stories about something that you and I and most people can see that if you allow your kid uh, to be neglected and he dies... Why should you. why should you go unpunished? Exactly, it's you that's to blame. Yeah, I don't get it. Well, I we mean, I'm not a fan of rugrats running around. That's why I mean, my house is all glass and glass tables and right. But I'd never want harm on any kid. I, I had to look after my two uh, when when they were kids. You've had three lads, and you and Anne's looked after him. Yeah. And if one of you wanted to go out, you'd go out and have a drink, and the other one would mind him. Or as I said, you know, nanas. I mean, they're, they're the hardest working people of all, I think, especially yeah. in, in nowadays when, when they've been having them when they've been 14, 15 and all that. It's always, Nana, can you do Nana, can you do When they thought they were getting a nice, easy life because they'd grown up and had kids, now it's even worse for them. Absolutely. This is Europe calling with Vince Tracy and Neil Colborne. What's going on in Europe? With the accent on Spain and the UK. Okay, moving uh, back to those Panama leaks and among national leaders with offshore wealth are Nawaz Sharif, Pakistan's Prime Minister, Ayad Alawi, ex-interim Prime Minister and former Air Vice President of Iraq, 
Petro Poroshenko, president of the Ukraine, uh, Mubarak, the son of a, Egypt's former president, and the prime minister of Iceland, Sigmund uh, David Gunnlaugsson. Uh, he's gone, of course, he, as we he know. He went, didn't he? he um, but, ooh, we were a big jelly belly fellow, wasn't he? When he was being interviewed, uh, stood up, uh, I'm not answering all that, you know what I mean? But, yeah. I mean, you know, th this really is just absolutely... Pakistan? This yeah. part of where we send over 12 billion... Well, I'm going to link into that a little bit later on because it does seem to me that there's a little bit too much of all this. Yeah. Uh, we send 12 billion, he, get, he pockets half of it, sets it into his offshore account, and the rest just goes on a bit of works on somebody's uh, palace or somebody's. You know what I mean? Okay, we need to look at uh, what people are saying. So, uh, right in London, United Kingdom, this has been happening for years and years. It makes no difference whether you vote Labour or Conservative because the country is still run by the same civil servants. This is why consecutive Labour and Conservative governments have been introducing a move to privatise the NHS. What can we do about it? Well, we can't, can we? Can't do anything, really. Um, DM in the UK doesn't say where from. Um... What has this to do with the EU? The company running it is from outside the EU, as are many of the individuals named here. Sorry, my no, friend. No, no. It's, it's a world made, market now. Yes, it's global. They've made the money in that country that they should pay the tax on what they've, on what the profits that they've made. They can't just keep stashing it all away and, and opening up a little office somewhere in Panama where nobody's in it. And, and in particular, if we, as I've just pointed out, are talking about people like the, the people that run Pakistan, um, and we're sending, or the UK government is sending billions of pounds across, yet um, these guys are putting money aside into their own tax havens, then of course it, of course it affects the EU. EU um, Mr Sin Nick, as long as we allow our offshore haven crown dependencies to remain linked to us, Nothing's going to change. We need and must be completely uh, disassociated from them. We need to make change or treat them with the contempt they deserve. Exactly. Um, illusioned in Somerset. Why is this a surprise? We've always known the very wealthy use any and every means to avoid taxes, yet they love to squeeze the rest of us for every last penny, totally lacking in common decency. They presume to preach and tell us how to live. Hypocrites. You see, we're all in it together. Well, I can't remember me opening a bank account in Panama, can you? Sandy and Darby says something here, which I think we'll look at, because, you know, I'm sure you'll have something to tell me. Uh, it's all a matter of degree. Think about the number of people who do a job for cash in hand. It's all tax avoidance, one way or another. Correct. Uh, well, I've been guilty of that myself. Everybody has. I've, I've done. I've put somebody's fence up, and they've given me forty quid or whatever. You know what I mean? Or I've painted somebody's bedroom. Or well, what what I really worry about people like Sandy from uh, Derby is basically um, she obviously can maybe do that if she's got um, a clear conscience. Exactly. Uh, people in glass houses. That, that you know, people like once they get to be the prime minister or whatever. They can do what they like as long as everybody else, yeah, you and, know. And they try and keep the skeletons in the cupboard. That's You see, when you're going into that, the shooting gallery, trust me, 
you you need to be whiter than white. And probably Sandy might have a, an account somewhere, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, even if she doesn't, we're talking about people having pennies. Uh, exactly. Th- th- this is absolute... Not billions of pounds. And while we're talking about this, and we did say, or I did say that we'd link into it, the an ex-aid minister, this is all about foreign aid from the UK, which is all there the taxes go. that we've paid yeah. over the years, uh, calls for government to hand back the extra... 172 million it's spent on foreign aid. Look at this. By mistake. Yeah. Um, so you answer out, and that's a big mistake. <laughs> so they don't go and ask for it back. Well, this is um, the former International Development Secretary. Do you remember the guy with the bike and the plebs and all yes, that? Yes, yes. He's back, Andrew yeah, Mitchell. Oh, is he? Yeah, right. He joined demands for the department to pay back almost uh, 200 million, which, of course, is the figure that we're just talking about. Uh, the ministry admitted it had mistakenly spent 172 million, <laughs> and the huge amount was part of a 513 million rise in foreign aid in 2015. There you go. This stinks to me stinks of a, a group of people funding the 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 invasion of what's happening in Europe exactly that's what it looks like to me half our money we don't get told about they only tell you because the liberals voted it labor voted it and tories voted it that 12 billion a year would the ring fenced uh, the foreign aid all the other bits and bats here there and everywhere the little the little boys you know on the outskirts, that are getting handfuls here, there and everywhere. We never mentioned it. Well, and it's our money. Reading from the paper here, several reports highlighted new alleged examples of the scandal, uh, scandalous use of the money. I did read another article, uh, including funds falling into the hands of the jihadist rebels in Syria. Well, that wouldn't surprise me. That honestly wouldn't surprise me. I mean, how could you possibly... Um, you know, these are people who are supposed to be pretty clever. Is somebody walking around where ISIS is, or whatever they call themselves now, Daesh, ISIS, IS, whatever, is somebody walking along with a great big bag full of money, our money, and, and there's all in bottom? Well... Somebody's buying the Toyotas for them, them and the guns and the weapons and everything absolutely. else. Absolutely. Um, now, they, they're talking about the money should be targeted at helping people in Britain, such as the steel workers, because this week we've seen Tartar steel yeah. in Port Talbot, and, you exactly. know, that's now up for grabs. And We've if got it doesn't, coal miners now, you know. And where, no. where, where do you go to try and sell it? To an Indian. Exactly. Where have you sent all your money to aid India? Exactly. And we've just found about uh, a, a lot of money that's gone into private ac- uh, accounts, etc., in Pakistan. Correct. So don't be surprised if, if more revelations follow this. From, in, from India. But if we're building that new uh, uh, S2 or whatever it's called, you know, that speed, uh, that train track, who, who's going to supply us with all the, the metal? It'll be cheap stuff from China. And when it bottles, when the sun shines, or out like that, and there's 300 killed on a train because the, the metal weren't up to scratch like it is up from Port Talbot, they'll be all the hell up there. Well, but nobody, they'll all just duck their heads under I'm covers. reading again, it emerged yesterday, this is, I think, Wednesday, I think this edition came out, that 200 million of UK aid had been spent in Tanzania before its government allegedly rigged an election. In addition, funds from a British aid programme set up to help restore vital infrastructure for civilians in war-torn areas of Syria 
Syria have fallen into the hands of the Islamist rebels linked to Al-Qaeda. Well, I mean, you can't just fall... The money can't just fall in, can it? It's got to be given on a computer. That's what I'm saying. Is there somebody walking about with a great big bag full of money right through the middle of ISIS and there's a big hole in the bottom? Around £18,000 a year is going to two jailed Palestinians who stabbed a British woman and murdered a friend. Uh Mr Mitchell told Sky News, even if I wouldn't argue that we should exceed the 0.7% commitments which we've made, but if there's been an overspend, that will have to be repaid. I mean... Um, no, just stop the aid altogether. But isn't he one of the guys that's in a government that's doing this sort of thing? Well, he was, wasn't he? Then he had to resign because he called a pleb and all that malarkey. Wasn't I it? mean, they're saying here that... Um, we've talked about those three in particular, that, I mean, obviously, th- this... The figures have been sneaked out by uh, one of the departments on Friday. Show ministers spent over their 0.7 uh, money that could have been spent on jobs, homes, schools, or hospitals in Britain, um, taking the total to a record-breaking 12.2 billion pounds. No. So, if I mean, if the government know that they're doing this, somebody is deliberately making well, Britain uh, impoverished. Exactly. Yeah, well, look at the old people can't put the, the fire on, the gas fires on, because the pensions are absolutely a pittance. You know what I mean? It, let's, listen, we really need to stop what we're doing and restart again. When we signed up in 1995, it was for the uh, common market, yeah? Hang on, no, we're talking 70s when we first started it all. 1975. Oh, sorry, I thought you said 1995. No, 1975, yeah. Harold yeah. Wilson. Yeah, Ab- Absolutely. Right. We, we we signed up for this little group that would all help each other. Well, it started, off, it started off with three countries. Right. And then, and all of a sudden, the gravy train comes in, so everybody's jumping on bandwagon, and then we get a few more and a few more, and all these don't put half in it, of what it, we put it in. It didn't start as an economic concern. It started as a community. Exactly. And, and and it was supposed to be just be France and Germany with Luxembourg to make sure that the centre of Europe didn't fight exactly. as it had been traditionally. Correct. And it's no, gone nonsensical. No, it's just gone, like, as you say, it's... it's, it's they just... I mean, t- uh, today, what... Um, is it Ukraine? Ukraine won't join now. And they're all saying, well, yeah, we'll have them. No, but what, 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 what are you after? OK, let me just give you one uh, comment. Um, Petula, Peel, Royston, your area, isn't it, Manchester, Royston? No, Royton is our area. It's near Oldham. Royton, okay. um, not Royston. I don't know where Royston is, I then. Don't. I thought it was Manchester. No, um, right and hand it back. It's a no-brainer. Of course it should be given back, but we'll not get it. Uh, I'll be most surprised if we do. Why aren't there better organisations such as the Red Cross to channel money through and to hold accountable records? I mean, let's be honest about it. You know what it's like trying to get a grant? You jump through hoops to get anything. Yeah. So why is it so difficult uh, for people to get money for ordinary things, and yet when it comes to something like, you know, this business of, um, you, you know, the, the money going to uh, Al-Qaeda, for example, uh, I don't understand how could it possibly happen. Maybe, I don't understand Maybe it. that £172 million is in Panama, in account in Panama now from some t- Tanzanian uh, chief or Well, whatever. I'll tell you something that lurks behind all this. And it's in a an article that came out during the week, and it says that anti. I'm reading this. Anti-Semitism is at the heart of Corbyn's Labour Party. 
the Labour Herald was required reading for the left of the during the 80s, uh, but it just couldn't occupy an extreme berth on the far left. It also had a habit of publishing virulently anti-Semitic articles. Well, the thing that a lot of people are beginning to not see clearly is, as far as I can understand, the idea is to spread uh, an Islamic state going from uh, the left of uh, west of Turkey uh, all the way through to um, Egypt. And basically, uh, it was going to be called um, ISIL, I think was what it was going to be called. Now, if this is all happening, slap bang in the middle of it is a problem area, which of course... Israel. Israel. And it was only this year that uh, Barack Obama signed a a pact to help the the Iranians um, in their program to get cracking on the nuclear weapon well it doesn't say nuclear weapons but yeah. that's what they're going to be doing right. not very nice not very nice to be talking about these things let's move on because we have a doctor uh, working um, with uh, people who are claiming to be sports stars let me just quickly identify once again well Sunday lunch all right um, Sunday was... lunch that'll do for me <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> All right. Um, no. It come from our Sunday show. It did, actually, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. It's Europe calling with uh, Vince Tracy and Neil Colborn with the news in particular from Spain and the UK. Listen to us. I'm sure you'll be amazed. Okay, uh, this is uh, the General Medical Council saying doc, Dr. Mark Bonar or Bonar is not licensed. It also emerged that he's accused of uh, failing to tell a patient her cancer was terminal. Uh, In other words, what they're trying to do is discredit the guy because he is talking about things which... Well, it's like doping, isn't it, in in athlete? Uh, uh, You know, it's doping them or giving them these that they shouldn't have. But the main man did say that some of the stuff he's given... That was to repair something, but they wouldn't have they wouldn't have to compete till it was completely out of the body. But we know what they like. You know, you see some of them one week or one season. They're they're as thin as me and you. Well, mainly you, not me. But right, and then next season they come out. They look like th- this boxer we've got, don't they? You know what I mean? All muscles are pumped up to I am. You know the yeah. the sprint runners. You see all them. And that's what they're going on about. Well, uh, and, it, and then, but he weren't a doctor. I he don't a qualified doctor. Well, I don't know if you notice, but you see, uh, first of all, he comes on. The first thing I saw in the news and the media was on. I think it was BBC Breakfast, and you see this guy saying that you know he's uh, got one of these hidden cameras and he's been giving drugs to a lot of famous Foot, footballers as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, all so it's going to come out. Whatever's yeah. happened, it yeah. will come out. But then, of course, later in the week, obviously they're trying to make sure that um, this doctor is discredited. Now, I'm reading Dr. Mark Boner was recorded saying he supplied banned drugs such as steroids and uh, human growth hormones to Premier League footballers, tennis players, cyclists and boxers. Yeah, enhancement drugs. And all um, that. He claims he didn't breach the General Medical Council rules and said that doping regulations are the responsibility of individual athletes, which, of course, I think but is true. But if you know a doctor, it, it does, doesn't it? Mm. And what did they do? They, they told him to get out of his uh, thing in Harley Street. 
which uh, if anybody knows what Harley Street is, it's seriously expensive to knock on the door. Never mind go and have a consultation. Well, I do have um, Annie Bennett, who was working down there, and she was telling me that, you know, that, that there's a lot of high prices just to sort of walk in. Yeah, just to say I've been to Harley Street, it costs you five grand. Ainsley in Palm Springs. Uh, it's nice to see a spread of people from different areas. Shouldn't he be in jail, get caught with a thimble full of cocaine and go to jail? There you go. Uh, prescribe masses of drugs to hundreds of people without a licence and get investigated by a board. Isn't it heartening, says Mark Twain in Lancashire, to know that eventually everything comes to light to cast shadows on scheming people's lives? I think they call it karma, don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Karma will come round. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the sad thing is I think it's almost like it's trying to discredit the success of the British athletes. Um, because a lot of them have been doing some absolutely wonderful... Do you remember during the Olympics? I yeah, mean, yeah. It was absolutely amazing uh, what they were fantastic doing. Fantastic time. Hey, four years has gone already. It's the Olymp- it. Olympics this summer. I can't believe it. It's That's how quick it flies now, don't yeah. it? When I were a kid, you couldn't wait for it to get out of school. Yeah. <laughs> now it's, it's like, oh, your life's going before your hands in, in like six weeks. I didn't really want to have to spend too much time on some of the things that, you know, unfortunately... But it is the news. ...you find yourself talking about. And this particular uh, breaking news yesterday, I think it was, was about the taxi driver who has admitted killing a fellow Muslim who would wish Christians happy Easter, but claims it was because he disrespected Islam by calling himself a prophet. I mean, did you read or did you see much he about he that? He a, a news agent once, eh? This was the guy that was killed, yes, yeah. There was killed, and he treated everybody yeah. the same, whether you were black, white, pink, purple, Catholic, Muslim, Protestant. But thingy. I'd never heard of this particular sect, uh, the Ahmadi Muslims. I'd not heard of, never them. Heard of them. But uh, apparently, there, there are millions of them. So it's not. We're not talking about a tiny uh, piece of, of the action, so, if you like. And he were friendly to everybody. He give the ki- you know, give the kids like little presents when they come in at Christmas and all that, or Easter. They give them a little Easter egg or whatever, and somebody just walks up and stabs him. You know, what's all that about? uh, Unfortunately, you know, Tanvir Ahmed, 32, had his lawyer, John Rafferty, read a prepared statement outside court. Uh, In it, he says that he killed the family man, Mr. Shah, who seems a very nice man, uh, because he claimed to be a prophet. I mean, if... Half of them claim they're a prophet, don't they? I I don't really understand this. Or did he just say, I'm making a prophet? Well, uh, Mr. Shah, this is the man that had died had written on Facebook, Good Friday and a very happy Easter, especially to my beloved Christian nation. And, uh, of course, they then feared it was a sectarian attack. Well, in actual fact, um, if he was a member of this Armadi community, known for its non-violence and and interfaith, then obviously it must be sectarian, mustn't it? Exactly. Um, So what did you... I mean, these solicitors, they make me laugh. Do you know what I mean? They find him there with the, with the knife in, in, stuck into him and everything like that. And, and they come out with the most ridiculous statements. You know what I mean? You see, I think they should be done for perjury when they know he's already done it and they're trying to defend him other ways. You know, the solicitor that takes it on. What worries me is that, um, you know... The British don't seem to be able to judge things like this anymore. And we do know that lurking behind everything, you've got the Sharia uh, law. Yeah, um, that's creeping in. This Ahmadi movement, which I'd never heard about I before, 
um, had its origins in Britain, uh, British-controlled northern India in the late 19th century, identifies itself as a Muslim movement and follows the teaching of the Quran. However, it is regarded by Orthodox Muslims as heretical because it doesn't believe that Muhammad was the final prophet sent to guide mankind, as it's laid out in, in the Quran. Now, um, sources at a Glasgow mosque say there are only 500 Ahmadis in Scotland, with around 400 of them based in and around Glasgow. Many of them are thought to have known Mr. Shah. I mean, I just... Um, I find the whole thing very, very, very confusing, really, well, and very it's, sad. It's like, it's like um, the, what's the name, the monks. They're, they're all peaceful and this, that and the other. So why would somebody just want to walk up to them knowing that they're not going to punch you back or fight with you or anything? Why would you just But that's, that, you see, is for me, is it, it just describes a bully. Exactly, a bully, which is a sectarian killing because he's saying it because he were an Ahmadi or whatever. Okay, well, let's stay well, on... How many different Muslims are there? Oh, there's lots. It's like Christians, isn't it? You know, there are thousands of... Well, what, no, hundreds. I mean, you know, the different... Yeah, yeah. The, well, you've the, got Catholics, we've got Protestants. Yeah, well, they've got, got uh, Shiite and... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the two the two main ones. Okay, Sunni, of course. Sunni. Sunni, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, now then... A staggering number of European jihadis. Now, this is from the EU and their own border agency admitting terrorists are exploiting refugee crisis and lax controls. Hang on, didn't we mention this about, about a year ago? About 12 months ago, yeah. But as soon as the first one started coming, we well, were all oh, on a minute. It was one obvious. Nice try. And of course, the big thing is it's it's also you can actually see the pictures. I mean, you don't have to be absolutely. You don't have to be Einstein to see that nineteen to thirty year olds built built like Arnold Schwarzenegger are all coming over. Uh, do me a favour, will you? It's an absolute nonsense. Okay. Um... This is the EU judges ruling that the foreign crime suspects cannot be deported automatically if they risk being imprisoned in degrading jail conditions abroad. Says who? Well, this is this is just the, the EU commissioner, you know. And that's why we can't deport them. And and then while the, while they're doing that. Uh, they're debating these things. Um, they're saying that um, the EU, the security threat to the EU, may be taking advantage of this situation. Cabinet Minister Chris Grayling said the UK risks being left voiceless and subject to more harmful meddling by a giant federation of Eurozone states. Exactly. And that's what I, that's what I would hope 80% of Britons think as well. You know, when they go in and, and put that... That cross wherever they're going to put it, and as I said about the things, these things that he's spending nine point and odd million of taxpayers' money, just put back on, return to sender, ten Downing Street, whatever, and let him let him open them all. David Cameron, of course, insisted it would be an act of self-harm to quit the Brussels club. Well, it would do. He's in it. And Germany admitted that half of the one million refugees have entered who have entered the country have vanished. No. I mean, how can the Germans, who are normally so efficient, yeah. how could they possibly tell you that? Exactly. Um, because they just disappear. The same. That's best when they catch them under a lorry here, you know, in England, at Dover. They take them to this holding place. No, you're an illegal immigrant. Right, we're going to 
send you out on bail. Here's your train fare to go to there, and you must report there. And never seen again. Do me a favour. It's not rocket science. Well, I mean, the papers are full of it. They have actually seen um, that, um, you know, you look to see these people and most of them look young lads. Let's look at the the obvious uh, things that people um, seem to be able to see that nobody else seems to see. Okay, so reading from the websites... TW in London, once Mad Merkel issues EU passports to these millions who really knows where, uh, they can then come and march right through our open borders as well. And if they bring a child with them, then they will be given housing, education, health service, treatment all for free. Except it's not free. It's the UK tax-paying cash cows of the world who will be picking up bills as usual thanks to Dave and his pro-EU pals. So what's going on? Why would Cameron and these people that want to stay in Europe when they can see there's a chance now to actually get a border in place, stick your border up and say, sorry, enough is enough. We're full. You know, we, we started off by talking about the doctor's strike and the fact that, you know, the surgeries are crowded. Um, Andy Salter in Bournemouth, people need to stop trying to change the UK. If you don't like the UK, why are you still here? If you hate the UK being part of the EU, just leave. You'll find countries like Iran, Saudi Arabia and North Korea more no, to your liking. It, it's he our hasn't, country. He hasn't understood we've that. we paid for it. All we're doing is protecting our interest. Uh, this is one that you'll obviously uh, agree with, and um, this is Dumdi in Valencia. So this is somebody not far from us. Cameron to spend a minimum of nine million pounds of your money sending info packs to twenty-seven million plus UK households, exactly. telling everyone they must vote uh, the vote to stay in this diabolical construct, the European Union. Exactly what I said before. No when one. It, when it comes through the door. Put return to sender, put it back in the post box. Last one, M. O'Brien in New York, and this is a good one. No one snuck into Europe. They just marched right in. No one knows exactly who they are. Syrian passports are being openly sold through the Middle East. Good luck, Europe. Yeah, but they're not checking anybody, are they? That's walking through. They're supposed to have holding bears to check them. And most of the ones that they've checked are from um, uh, uh, Africa. I can't remember Africans fighting in Syria. Well, I mean, the thing is, somebody has got to stop it. Somebody's got to be bold now. And I've got to say, if I was looking for a leader, I would be looking for somebody like Nigel Farage. Yeah. Uh, he he knows, ex- and he stated exactly what was the problem very, very early on, uh, stuck with his uh, his beliefs. And, of course, like people like Enoch Powell before him, Knocker. he's been... I'll keep laughing at him. Yeah, but he's been listen, ridiculed. When it, when it comes home to roost, don't come back in another 40, 50 years and say, do you know that Nigel Farage were right? Well, it's not nice... It's not nice to have to keep talking about this. I I'm wouldn't... glad I'm over here, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Honestly, I am. Neil, 
I just hope somebody can actually take a few decisions. I think we've all got to get our borders back, every country. I can't see any other way around it. We've got to say goodbye to our listeners. So uh, let's go first to uh, San Francisco and in California. Which is Stitcher Radio, Gigadale, Spreaker and Podomatic. To my own websites, www.vincetracy.com and uh, Vince Tracy at iPage. We'll go to Beats FM. Oh, Nazanda Gang in Bangladesh. And what are we in Bangladesh? Big in Bangladesh to Family Radio 1. That's in the UK. That's Mike. And we'll go to Mersey Radio. That's Matty Adams in Liverpool. That's in the UK. We'll go to the lovely Erica. That's at Aircheck and that's in Florida. And last but not least, on this particular show, we'll go to Michigan, I think it is, Detroit. And it's WROM and it's Tom and the Gang and the WROM stands for... The World Realms of Music. Neil, Lovely. thanks for being here. Loved every minute. And we'll see you on Sunday. Don't see forget you, you can get us online yeah. live uh, 974.com. LFM uh, 974.com. Absolutely right.